know it's true. I know it's true. I know it's true. And boy, I tell you something, I am excited about what God has in store for us tonight. I really believe there's, there's just such power and such truth contained in every word of the Scripture. But in this particular chapter, as we close these series of talks tonight, I, I believe particularly there are some things that are going to be empowering and encouraging to us tonight. And as we've talked for the last few weeks, as you know, I mean, we started off with, and I'm just going to recap very quickly, what uh, some of the things that are contained in the 8th chapter of Romans. Uh, in the first week, we talked about, I'm not good enough. And the 8th chapter of Romans has an answer for that. There's no condemnation, God says. Then the next week, we said, I can't change, or things are the same old, same old. I can't get anywhere. I don't feel like I'm growing. God has an answer for that in the 8th chapter of Romans. He says there's no frustration. Last week we spoke about everything's falling apart. It seems like my, my life's falling apart. Things aren't coming together. I don't know what's going on. There's obstacles, there's setbacks, there's issues. And God says in the 8th chapter of Romans that, Romans that there's no desperation. And tonight what I want to talk about is if anyone feels this, does, any, does anyone care about me? And I'm not saying that you may walk around every moment of every day feeling that way, but has there ever been a time, is there ever a time where you wonder, is God really there? Does He care about me? Do people care about me? Does my family care about me? Do my friends? What, what, is there anyone out there that really cares about me? And, and God has an answer for that in the 8th chapter of Romans. That is no separation. No separation. We're going to talk about that. There's power in this tonight. I believe that there is. And, 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 and as we do, we're going to read the text of this. It's going to be on the screen, so just follow along with us. This important portion, at the, the last portion of the 8th chapter of Romans, starting in verse 31 in the English Standard Version is where I'm reading from tonight, and that is beginning in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. I'm going to say that part again in case they did. I think Paul was thinking, in case he left anything else out. Anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. 
word, every sentence, every inflection, every moment of this message tonight, Lord. Not anything that I would say, but that what you would have said. And Lord, that that would be an encouragement, that there would be lives that can apply things that we talk about tonight, that will allow them to, to walk in a greater understanding of you, in a greater victory in their walk with you, Lord. I just turn this over to you entirely under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've talked about this being a house, okay, during these other weeks. And very quickly, just recap, there's a foundation that we talked about the second week, how we have to make choices and decisions when we're going through that process. Last week, about problems, if you've ever built a house, things that occur, setbacks, obstacles, issues you have to deal with. Now, this week, as we conclude this series, what I'm really uh, looking at is a, a dwelling, a home that is complete. And there's so many things about our homes that we want to have. I won't go into a lot of those things when we have our home, whether we've built it or whether we move into it. But one of the main things you want to have in the house that you live in, in your dwelling, is security. You want to feel safe in your house. You want to feel secure in the place where you live. And I believe that there are many things that we have in this text tonight that we'll talk about some of those securities and, and answer certain questions. I want to start with five questions. Now, if you listen to the text there, you'll see that there were questions interrogative, things that are that are looking for an answer in what we just read. And just to recap these very quickly, one is who can be against us? Will he with him give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's chosen? Who is to condemn? What shall separate us from the love of God? These are questions that are asked in the passage of Scripture that we just read. So the first thing I want to talk about is the, is the first security that we have. And that is this. God is for us. That sounds simple. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. But I want everybody to say that together with me. God is for us. I want you to say it a little more emphatically this time and believe it from the most inner part of your being. God is for us. And remember that. God is for us. And the Bible says there's a question that's answered in the question. If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 31 says. So what I'm trying to do with certain things in my life, and this is a good one, but I believe that, if God is for us, who can be against us? So now that I know God is for us, I can make that a sentence sandwich. Now, does anybody know what a sentence sandwich is? You don't have to raise your hand. Don't put anybody in spot. Okay, I'm going to put you guys up. You know what a sentence sandwich is? No, it's all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> a sentence sandwich is that you, you, you use this in the middle of something else that you're saying. So let's say... If God is for us, is the meat or the, or, the, or the peanut butter and jelly between the bread. And the bread's on either side. So I can use it as a second sentence and say, look, I've got a tough day today. I've got a lot of stuff that I've got to do, man. This is going to be hard. But God is for me, so I'm going to be okay. That's a second sentence. Man, I've got to take a test today. I've been preparing, I've been studying, I've been working real hard. I'm stressed out about it. But you know what? 
God is for me, so He's going to lead me through it. You can apply this part of the verse 31 in almost everything, every moment, every sentence, everything you do in your life. Think about it as a sentence. God is for me, so all the rest of the stuff that's going on, that makes it Don't be concerned, because we know this, of anything that opposes you. Don't have any fear or any concern about opposition, about things that oppose you. That can be a person, that can be an entity, it might be the government, it might be a friend, it might be someone who just wants to mess with you for some reason. But you know, don't be concerned about opposition, because God is second security that we have is God will give to us. How many believe God's a giving God? He's a giving God, folks. He will give to us. Verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, all, the word all, is a pretty encompassing thing. It doesn't, if they wanted to say it differently, they would have said he would give us some things. He would give us a few things. He would give us a couple of things. But it doesn't say that, does it? It says all things. Words that are synonymous with that are complete. A few of words that are synonymous with that are complete, full, greatest, perfect, total. So if you look at that and apply that to that verse, how will he not graciously give us complete things? How will he not give us full things? How will he not give us greatest things? How will he not give us total things? How will he not give us perfect things? All things, folks, means all things. That's what it means. I think Paul, when he wrote that, set the high watermark for gifts. Okay, so there's no gift that you can receive money car, winning the lottery, a home. It doesn't matter what somebody could just walk up to you today and give you. It doesn't matter what that is. The high water mark for gifts was set when Paul wrote this. And that is you know, Understand the character of God. I'm going to say that again. If you think like that, that's to misunderstand the character of God. 
See, the character of God is a God who is a generous giver, not just a giver. He's a generous giver. It says here, he's a gracious giver. He wants to give to you willingly. He wants to give to you uh, without any uh, strings attached. He wants to give to you good-naturedly, pleasantly, cheerfully. And he does ask for other things that we do in our life. Don't make mistake about what I'm saying. But what, I'm, what I'm saying is the character of God is that he is a loving God who wants to give to us. And he has given us the greatest gift, but that's just the starting point. The greatest gift he can give us, but that's the beginning of the things that he wants to do for us. John Stott wrote a book about the, uh, about the book of Romans called The Message of Romans. Very interesting book, and one of the quotes that he has in there that's so impressive is this. It says, the cross is the guarantee of the continuing, unfailing generosity of God. See, that's his character. He is an unfailing, continuing giver. And the cross guarantees that, that he gave his son for. So we need to trust in that generosity, we need to believe it, we need to, uh, to embrace it, we need to, to, to make it a part of everything that we do. We need to trust that generous giving God. And knowing God will give to us, if we know that, then what that's going to do is it's going to let us know in our lives that we don't need to be concerned, that we don't need to have fear about provision. We need to be fearful about God providing for us, not if we Jehovah Jireh, my provider, is a song that we sing. The original Hebrew words of Jehovah Jireh are Yahweh Yireh. And what that means is simply this. It means exactly this. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And Pastor was speaking Sunday about the story of Abraham and Isaac, and, and it was interesting that he was. I was thinking about it at the time. You know, that term, uh, Yahweh Yira, that was, that was in the story of Abraham. And uh, the, the account of Abraham, of course, I won't go into all that story, but it, it, you know, it, was, it was a tremendous uh, account of obedience and faith that Abraham had when he was on Mount Moriah. But it was more than that. It was an example of God's ongoing grace, really, in some ways, but provision also. He makes a way for everything, and he will provide everything that we need. And what Abraham did is he named that spot at that point. And it says in Genesis 22, 14, so Abraham called the name of that place Yahweh Yira, or the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. There's not a lot of wiggle room there. The Lord will provide. So, when we look at this in the, in the sense and the context of it, it's not describing something that just happened to Abraham. Will provide indicates an ongoing action that will be taken in the future will provide. 
that means, that I, I, I know I'm belaboring this a little bit, but that means that He will provide now and in the future. That's what He will do. That's His character. Who He is. The third security you can have in answering these questions is that God will forgive us. Thank the Lord for that, right? He will forgive us. He will forgive us. And the word that seals it in the 8th chapter of Romans for me is justifies. I love that word. Justifies. In verse 33 it says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So justifies in Apostle Paul's writing is it's a word that really was more of a legal term. It's... Uh, it's a legal term in the sense that it's, it's almost a, uh, it's a proclamation or a uh, pronouncement, declaration of righteousness. I want you to get this, guys, for sure. When it says it is God who justifies, it is He who at that point in time, once you accept Christ, declares you righteous. That means at that point... He has said, you're not guilty. You're righteous in my eyes. Now again, there's a whole other part about, you know, that doesn't make you righteous. Understand the difference. He is saying at that point, he's justified that you are righteous. There's a life that has to be lived. There's sanctification. There's a lot of other things that aren't a part of all this, but there's a call to holiness. I mean, there are things we have to do, but but the point I'm making is God will forgive us, and that word signals it right there. Imagine if God were a judge sitting in a courtroom. Think about it like this, or, or on a throne, I'd say. He's on a throne in a courtroom. And he says, after all the charges and the evidence has been brought to us, brought to him about our lives and the sin in our lives and things that we've done, and he says, okay, in light of what my son Jesus did on your behalf, you are now righteous. That's how, it, if you think about it, you visualize that. He's sitting there, and he says, because of what my son did that I gave up for you, you're righteous. You're justified. That's where you are right now at this moment. So at that point, the gavel drops, courts dismissed, you're not guilty. God forgives you. Okay, it doesn't mean that that's a license to sin now. Please understand, we've said that before. It means that God is a God that us. And so, when you're, if you think about things that you've done in your life that you're ashamed of, you don't want anyone to know about, I mean, most anybody with anything that you've done that you're not proud of, you'd probably rather not anybody know about it. That's, not, that's normal. But God already knows. He knows everything we've done. He knows the sins we've committed. He knows the things that we think might be secrets. He knows. He knows what it is. So there's no reason to be in, in, in any kind of a place where you're ashamed of that. You need to be at a point where you believe you, when you repent and you make that decision to accept Him, that you are not guilty. You need to get that off your back for anybody that might be struggling with that or work. The enemy might be trying to make you struggle with that. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Confidence and 
victory knowing God will forgive us. God will forgive us. And what I said on the slide before, if we could just go back to that, is don't be, don't be in any fear or any concern about accusation. If you have people that accuse you of something, or an entity that accuses you of something, it's somebody in the church. No, nobody in the church would do that, would they? It could be anyone anywhere. It doesn't matter. If somebody accuses you of something, guess what? You don't need to worry about that. Because God has forgiven you. Then he will not condemn you. He will never condemn us. It's love for us. It's unconditional. Verse 34 again says, Who is to condemn? That's the question. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Was that the right hand of God? Who indeed is in only one with a right, or what legal people use in terms of legal terminology, with standing, that, that has standing, to in any way condemn us or accuse us, is God. That's what this is saying. That's why this is really important about the fact that He won't condemn us. And what it says, Who is condemned? That means there is no one else. Christ Jesus is the one that died. God is the one that justifies, it just said in the verse prior. So, who could condemn you or accuse you? So, again, as I said earlier, remember this. He has adjudicated, using another legal term, he has adjudicated your case not guilty. Not guilty! So, I don't have to walk around with guilt and shame because he. He is the one that does it. And by saying God is the one that justifies in the earlier verse, it means he's the only one. <laughs> he's the only one. There's no one else that has a right or has standing to do that. Another thing that's great about it. Probably well known verse in Scripture, John 3 16. We all know this. Anybody, it's hard to find anybody that doesn't know this. It's the first verse. Let's read this and look for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If there's one scripture that I'm glad everybody does know, it's that one, right? That pretty much summarizes it right there. There's a lot of other things that are great that we need to know and learn and grow in. But, wow, there's a reason that became the most known verse of scripture. But a lot of people don't talk about that. So we've all read it. A lot of people don't talk about this next one. Look at this. So it says, For God so loved the world and he gave his son. Look what he also says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that it might be saved through him. See, he doesn't condemn you. He is saying that, in fact, 
He didn't come to condemn you at all. He came because He loves you. Because He so loved you that He gave us that. So no matter what, He is saying to you tonight, whoever you are, He is saying to you tonight, I love you. He is saying it just like I'm saying to you, just as, as clear as I'm saying to you. I love you, and I love you with all your faults. I love you with all your failures. I love you with all your imperfections. I love you. I love you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, I love you. That is what he's saying. That's why he freely gave his son up for us all. Because he absolutely, unconditionally loves us and he does not does not, and was not sent here to condemn us. So now, the thing is, don't have any fear of that. Don't live in any concern of that. No condemnation. We talked about that in the first week. But again, it's so important to, to completely understand that is a security that answering that question you will not condemn us. And then the last one is, Never leave us. Can you read this again? You can go to that. I think the next slide mentions this. For I am sure, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, height, depth, anything else will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Period. I want to draw your attention to those words in bold. For I am sure. I am sure. Paul is saying in this, and there are many translations of this, Paul is saying that he has been sure of it. He is currently sure of it. And he will remain sure of it. It's not something that he's sure and then later on that there has to be any shakiness in our confidence. In the other translations of this, I mean, the, the tense and how that is used in the way I believe Paul is talking about before, currently, and always. In the King James Version, it says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life. In numerous other translations, it is convinced. Convinced. I am convinced. And in the Amplified Version, I think, I, I love this. It says, I am convinced and continue to be convinced Beyond any doubt. Now, I'm just plugging into that. I'm convinced and continue to be convinced. Now, a lot of these things he's talking about here, he had a lot of experience in having to deal with. He's convinced that no matter what happens, and a lot happened to Paul, we talked about that a little bit last week, no matter what happens, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. None of these things or anything else that says in all creation. And he is convinced and continues to be convinced beyond any doubt. In the NIV Reader's Version, it says, I am absolutely sure that neither death nor Absolutely sure. There is no gray area here, folks. This is certainty. This is absolutely being convinced of this. 
that is important. We need to be absolutely sure. And as we discussed last week, there may be difficulties in our lives. There may be suffering. There will be. In fact, maybe there will be. They're going to affect our day-to-day lives as we live them here on earth. As we live here on earth, that's going to happen. But Paul and Corinthians, we also mentioned last week, describe those as momentary. Now again, this is the Apostle Paul that went through all he went through, and yet he was still characterizing it as momentary. It's momentary what this is going to be. But even the things that we deal with here, sufferings, challenges, difficulties, trials, whatever you want to call them, no matter what it is, no matter what you're going through, no matter how difficult it seems, if it's a health issue, if it's a family crisis, if it's a financial crisis, no matter what it is, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not one thing, none of it. It doesn't matter how severe it is. It doesn't matter what you're going through because it's momentary. And it cannot separate you. Again, no gray area there. This is very declarative. So when we come to Christ, God, as I read this, cannot stop loving me. He can't stop loving me. He doesn't have it in his character to do that. He is going to love me with a personal love. He's going to love me with a, a, a merciful love. He's going to love me with a lavish love. He's going to love me with a, uh, not just unconditional love, but, but what I would say is a liberal love. Just a, an overflowing love. And more and most importantly, He's going to love us with an eternal love. An eternal love that is always there, that you can always count on it, and nothing can separate you from it. Nothing can separate you from it. So, we talked before, I mean, have you ever wondered, is, is God on my side? I'm not, not going to ask for a show of hands. I'll raise my Have I ever wondered, is God on my side? Or, is He really there? Is He, is he working in my life? Is, is He concerned about my needs? Or if you ever face that question in your life, if you haven't so far, does God care about little inconsequential thing that I'm bringing to him. He's got a lot of other stuff he's worried about. Does he care about that? The answer is unequivocally, absolutely yes. He is there. He's present. He's on your side. And what we've talked about tonight are these things. We're going to recap. God, these are the answers to the questions we talked about before. God is for me. God gives to me. God will forgive me, God will not condemn me, and He will never leave me. He will never leave you, no matter what. You cannot stop Him from loving you. That's why you can't be separated. You can't be separated because you can't stop Him from loving you and caring about you. Be deeply concerned about even what you might consider a minor little thing. Bring it to him and try him. Test his word. 
The first verse of Romans 8 says there is therefore now no condemnation, and the last verse of it says there is no separation. Everything in between is great, but if you only need to know two things, you need to know that. There is no condemnation and there is no separation because He is a God that is for me. He's for me. He gives to me. He forgives me. He'll never leave me. He won't condemn me. That's what it's talking about. That's what it's talking about. And that's why I'm excited right now. Because if I can do this, and if you can, if I can do this, and I can walk in that truth, and if I can believe that, and if I can make that a simple sandwich or whatever else I need to do, there is power and there is victory in those words contained in the 8th chapter of Romans. I'm going to tell you one story really fast. And it's the story of my little son sitting in the back seat of my car. This was last summer. He was six years old. Seven now. And there was a song that was popular on the radio by Chris Tomlin. That's a problem, I'm sure. Most of you have all heard it. And I'll never forget this. As long as I am here on this earth, a little voice of a little boy. It could be anyway. It just happened to be in my story of my memory of what happened. Singing in the back seat of that car. Jesus, he loves me. He loves me. He is for me. And when I that little boy singing that song with a whole lot more pitch perfection than I just did. It, it made me just realize that I'm glad that he's singing that when I just thought about it. You know what? Jesus, he loves me. It's this simple. He loves me. And he is for me. He is for me when I'm having difficulties at school. He is for me when I've got challenges in the workplace. He's for me when my family needs to come back to know the Lord or needs to know the Lord. He's for me in every circumstance that I face, no matter what it is. He is for me. He is for me. He is for me. And He loves me. He loves me. And if you can just press in on that, as simple as it is, and it maybe you think it's oversimplified, it's not. He is for you. Every single one of you guys sitting in that pew right now, He is for you. He is on your side and He is standing with you. And that goes for all of us. All of us. He is for us. And if He is for us, Verse 31 says, with no wiggle room at all, who, what, anything, no matter, can stand against us. Nothing. Nothing. I know this is simple stuff. You can just read that and understand. I don't have to remind you. But, but the thing about it is, is that sometimes we just don't walk around and live it. 
challenges of your life covered tonight. No matter what it is, no matter where you've been, and if you want to just kneel at the altar and seek the Lord, that's fine. If you just want to stand here, we're coming together like this and coming together as a group corporately, as a body of believers, because we're going to believe God that He, not only that we know He is for us, but we're going to trust that He is for us. We're going to trust that everything that He wants to do in our lives, that He can do and He's going to do. Because He's on our side. So I just ask you to bow your heads tonight, just with your own private prayer and thoughts. And only you and God know. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters tonight, because it's covered by His grace, by His power, by His love. Because he's a good God and he wants to give to us. And he forgives us and he's not going to condemn us. He's not going to leave us. We can't be separated from his love. And his concern, his personal, deep concern for you. So as you close your eyes and as you pray to yourself, between you and God, ask him whatever it is that you're dealing with. It can be a serious thing. It could be a minor thing, whatever it is. Turn it over to him tonight and let him cover it. Let him cover it with his power. Let him just cover it.
come into this situation, no matter what it is, and let it be known and say it. You can say it aloud. You can say it silently and say, you are for me. This situation is going to be okay. It's going to be okay because you've got it covered. You are for me. So this illness that I am facing or that a family member is facing, it's going to be okay because you are for us. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to tell you and derail you and discourage you or no matter what it is, he can't have any victory because nothing can separate you from his love. That's what we are saying to him tonight. And just as we are independently and corporately together, just worship it. There's no special order to this. I just believe there is a time, and that time is now that not only are we going to believe on His face that He is for us, but we're going to stand up or walk out of this, this building tonight and know that we can trust it with 100% confidence that He is for us. And if that is true, and the Word of God is inerrant, it is infallible, it is absolutely true, there are no errors in it, if that is true, who can be against me as I leave here tonight? Not just who, but anything. It can be a government, it can be a school, it can be an individual, it doesn't matter. There is no limit to what He can do in your life. Just know that He is for you and that He is working in you and that as you walk in obedience and the Word of God says as you draw closer to Him, He will draw closer to you. That growth, that work, all of that's going to happen and these things are going to begin to take a different point of view in your life. That's what I want for me. And it's not something that just happens automatically. It's something that happens by faith. And by stepping out and just believing that one verse, you know, there's plenty of other ones to believe, folks, but just that one, these four suits against us. And this song is saying, no matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter how I fall, you pick me up again. Hallelujah. You've removed my shame. And you take me as I am. And this is it. You call me justified. You've declared me righteous and not guilty in your eyes. Walk in that truth tonight, everyone. Believe it. Trust in it. Because He is for you and wants to do great and mighty things in our lives. In the lives of our church and in the lives of each and every one of us. And our families. Hallelujah. Father God, we just love you tonight. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for your Word because you were here 2,000 years ago. But guess what? This Word still lives and it's vibrant and it's relevant as it was then. This is the Word of God that we can count on in every facet of our Thank you for it. And Lord, my prayer is for everyone here tonight that they would walk in 
Hallelujah. 